Welcome. It is the Ski Bum Podcast, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? What's up is I didn't realize it's episode 300. This is a big landmark. Big one. 300. Wow. Can you believe it? We've been doing this since 2015. That is a lot of years. That's almost eight years we've been doing this podcast. crowd is going wild. Absolutely crazy. We're still having a great time doing it. We are appreciative of everyone listening. So thank you so much. This episode, we are going to be talking about Mario's recent trip to France. There you go. Valtherens, France. We had an awesome time. Hopefully you were following the socials and checking them out. It looked awesome. Uh, can't wait to hear all about it. We'll get to the that topic. Valley. It's uh, going to be going to be good yeah we're gonna get to that in the main topic so check it out thank you so much for listening we do appreciate it check us out at skibumpodcast.com follow us on the socials twitter instagram facebook untapped youtube you're at skibumpodcast send us an email skibumpodcast at gmail.com go to your favorite podcasting apps rate and subscribe we'd really appreciate it big shout out and thank you to our sponsor they are back you remember them you know them you love them Teresia, T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A. Go to Teresia.com. They have your premium cold weather solutions. Their mission is to create best-in-class apparel that can be worn in any cold temperature environment designed with thoughtful features and fit and always providing the optimum level of performance for whatever you are doing. They fully embrace the idea that good products can always be made better and strive to constantly improve, refine, and optimize all facets of their products Go to the website, Teresia Bum, all one word, 15% off. Thank you so much. This is the sweatshirt. This thing is like super dope. It's a, you know, it's a hoodie. It's also got like a zip pocket built into it. Yeah, that's so good. A little thumb holes, you know, if that's your kind of jammy jam, thumb nice. holes. I also, let me grab this other beautiful piece here. Look at this jacket. Boom. Oh, yeah. Nice. This, this is a absolute absolute unit of a jacket i can't wait to check it out um let me see what is the did you have a jacket before no right i do this is the helicon 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 h-e-l-i-c-o-n it is a two-layer insulated jacket this is the everfrost blue it is a wonderful color it's actually a little darker in real life like my light's really bright here very cool though it's very cool i'm so psyched to, to get this on uh finally got out on the mountains with my lovely family this week i went on mlk day which is like the worst day to go skiing because it's like super super crowded always nice. but uh i had my little one i took uh well, we took both of them and i don't know if you saw the pictures that i posted on instagram this is me and my little daughter Aww. on the mountain together she is the absolute cutest little thing and we skied a bunch of times like i had to hold her between my legs pretty much ski down with her and we took a break we just got off the uh, the magic carpet and just sat there for like 20 minutes drinking water and having snacks. And it was so much fun. Like she was having the best little time. Dude, that's awesome. She's so cute. So yeah, we'll be going back there again soon. It was a little rainy here this week, which kind of sucked, but oh yeah, it's going to start cooling off again. We're calling it winter 2.9. We tried a 2.0. It didn't work out. We're going yeah. to 2.9 now. East coast having a rough winter. Finally got some snow in Vermont. Things are happening. Winter 2.9 coming up. So let's kick this off the way we always do. 
It's time for our pray today. So I know last week I think you had an athletic brewing, like non-alcoholic, weird ass fake beer kind of thing. Guilty as charged, my friend. So it's been in my head just kind of going around as I was, you know, drinking and debauchering in France this last week that I got to start drying out in some way. Uh, and, you know, for, for medical reasons, I think there's a reason that I decided to do this to support somebody that can't drink for like three weeks four weeks, something like that. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll not drink with you. Of course, I've had a beer. I had one beer yesterday and one beer today because I had a one after a hard day work. I'm like, you know, I'm having a meal, whatever. But in general, that's it. That's the only beers that I've had since I've been back. Okay. What I've been doing instead is having an opre like I've had today with, it's kind of the idea of a non-alcoholic beverage or a mocktail or something like that i create a mocktail and in it i put these drops that are thc it's thc's thc tincture and i talked about this before the maple mm -hmm. i think i had this maybe one time before but kind of been making it for my wife and i and i'm like you know this thing is hitting this hits home pretty good of course the first time i tried it i think i overdosed us and we were <laughs> asleep on the couch by seven nothing wrong with that <laughs> once in a while so i was like well that's how you live and learn you know we i had a good sleep so that worked but i tell you what this takes the edge off makes it nice and mellow and chill not crushing these but you know drinking one and it's kind of i started adding up in my head like the amount of calories that I'm not taking in now and getting a little buzz. I'm like, this is a better, way better deal. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of the, I, you know, I follow a bunch of fitness bros on, on Twitter and everyone is talking about like, if you want to lose weight, you have to cut out drinking, especially beer. Yeah. Like if you want to drink, it's like you have two a week, but make sure it's, it's hard alcohol. It actually, it actually helps because the amount of calories in a beer are pretty staggering. So this is a good move. I, I I've been trying to dial back beers myself, but beers haven't been making me feel great, especially with the IPAs that I drink. They get like a they kind of sour my stomach once in a while. So this is actually pretty good because I do um it's, it's kind of like a skinny whatever skinny drink because it in general the favorite is you put a little bit of cranberry and then all club soda, a little bit of lime, and boom, then you add your little drops in there. And you got like, it's like a fake vodka cranberry club kind of thing. And you just drink it and down. Is it just, it's THC, right? It's not just CBD. Oh, it's THC. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah. THC. Yeah. This is like, uh, what percentage is this? I think it's 70 something percent THC. Okay. Nice. Pretty beefy. So that's that, why you got to watch. So the how many, how many milligrams would you say you usually add? I, I go slow and low. So I'll do. 50. I try to do maybe two or three milligrams in a drink okay. so I could have like two drinks and just kind of be social. I got you. The only thing is I went bowling yesterday <laughs> and my wife and I, we actually packed, we packed these into like when we did when we skied Ogdensburg, when I skied Ogdensburg, I got the, the big Gatlinburg or uh, Ober Gatlinburg. 
No, no. Um, Ogden. I'm sorry. Ogden. Oh, Ogden. Okay. I'm thinking of uh, North Jersey. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> Don't ever think uh, about that. Went to Ogden. These, they gave us these big, freaking metal, you know, insulated mugs. But okay. They're they're pretty big. They're more. They're bigger than a pint. So what I did is I filled those up with our special drink. Not too much because we still had a bowl, and we nursed out <laughs> for the whole night. You want to ruin your bowling game by getting too baked, right? <laughs> Don't want to pass out in the alley. It's not recommended. Go with Big um, Lebowski style. That's right. But uh, yeah, I, I made some, you know, good ones of those. And then for the nightcap, you know, the beauty of this thing had tea, boom, right in the tea, right in the tea. And that's it. And then you're out for the fucking rest of the night. Boom. Lights out. It's a nice way to do it. I like that. It's pretty good. I tell you what, wake up the next day, no hangover. I've had more energy at work. I tell you, it's a godsend. I'm like, I got to, I get, I want to carry this out. And see, at the end of the three weeks, do I really want to go back to drinking alcohol or not? Mm. I think I'll probably still dabble, but this might change my mind of having another option when I go out or I do something social. Just kind of because, you know, it is it's a social thing. You want to drink something. Yeah. So I can drink water. I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm fine ordering a water or a club soda or something like that. This kind of gives you a nice little bang in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you think about like drinking, like I would. I'll just going to my parade today, I went to the liquor store and I got some, like, I always feel stupid when I check out of the liquor store. I'm like, I just bought poison. Cause you go in there, like, this is just a giant store of poison. That's if you really, if you true. really think about it, you know, bad decisions, bad, bad futures, like whatever. I, I know even just like sitting at home, it was a couple weeks ago. I just had like two drinks at night by myself. Wife was sleeping. Kids were sleeping. I had like two drinks. And the next morning I woke up, well, before I went to bed, I had like a bunch of food and stayed up watching like some dumb stuff, went to bed late, got up and like the kids woke us up, obviously. And like, right. I felt crappy. And I'm like, yeah. why did I do this to myself? Like, this was so dumb. There was zero point to doing this. Yeah. So, and I completely hear you there, but I was at the liquor store and your, I, bought, I bought two bottles of vermouth. Huh. Which is a weird thing for anyone to buy. Why the hell would you buy two bottles of vermouth? Ah. Uh, I wanted a fancy vermouth for making Manhattans. Okay. So I got that fancy. I don't even know what it's called. Did you get the maraschino vermouth? No. Uh, it's funny. Like our boy, Nick, he's the one who sent it to me uh, when I was hanging out with him out in Denver a couple months ago. All right. He's like, this is the one you got to get. We, uh, him and his, his wife, they had it. They're like, this is, this is the one to get. And I'm looking for the picture of it. And that's for Manhattan. Yes, it's uh, Antica form, Formula Vermouth, the Giuseppe Carano. Like it's like a fancy. Oh, the Giuseppe Carano. Is that what, what it is? Talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, good. <laughs> so that was the bottle. Like they had it at the Total Wine, so I had to go there to get it. So I got it. And my wife's like, "Oh, get me a Martini Rossi because it's for cooking." She uses the dry uh, for cooking. So I'm like, okay. "All right, cool." Buy two bottles of vermouth, like a like a proper psychopath. People are looking side. at you like, "What the fuck? Are you What's drinking? this guy gonna do?" Mm-hmm. Drinking Shirley Temple's all night. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, and also interesting little tidbit here. While I, you know, I love just wandering around this place because it was like I had no kids, I had nobody to like bother me. Like I just take my time and enjoy my my little, you know, poison store. Walk around the store. Walk around. Enjoy it all. Take it all in. Browsing and shopping. That's good. Like a proper gentleman, right? Yeah. So I'm looking around and I go to like... In your Teresia gear. 
in my Cersei here. <laughs> and I looked at the case. You know, they always have like the case, which has like all the, the really fancy liquors that are like super, super expensive. Yeah, like when we went to the ghetto wine store and they had like the Smirnoff behind the glass. <laughs> Bro. So throwback to anyone who knows any Brian Mario ski house history. Back, right. <laughs> back in our Mount Snow ski house a billion years ago, the owner gave us a, some amazing scotch. It was a 30 oh, yeah. year Macallan because he got a bottle from his client and wasn't a big uh, liquor guy and let us have some. Bro, look at the price tag on the 30 year Macallan now. $5,000 for a bottle of it. $5,000 for a bottle of liquor. We drank this. We have consumed that liquor. It wasn't Damn. much he gave us, but we had it. Damn. Five grand. I think it was maybe like 2000 back then. What do we have to do to get them to sponsor us? McAllen. <laughs> McAllen. Anyway, so I'm wandering through the liquor store. I have my two bottles of vermouth, like a proper psychopath. And I was just looking at the local beers because, you know, I like, I like buying local, keeping it local, supporting the people that are uh, near and dear. And I found a beer and I'm like, all right, this checks a lot of boxes right here. The beer is called F dash dash K the virus. Nice. I like the picture on it. I saw it. It's from a company called Bridge and Tunnel Brewery in oh. Queens, New York. Dude, is it made with fresh water from the Hudson? East River Brew, yes. Oh. So I saw this, I saw this beer and I was like, I have to get it instantly. And it's a coconut New England style IPA. I have no idea what that has to do with the virus. Just coconut, not coconut chocolate or anything? Like coconut New IPA. England style IPA. And you haven't tried it yet. Oh, I have. I've had oh. I had it that, that night, I assure you. All right. I do like the messaging in the back of this can though. A New Yorker's manifesto to the virus. So you roll into our town, quiet at first, looking for the opportunity to go full blown, trying to catch us by surprise and attacking the old and the weak. All reflections of the coward you really are. One thing you don't know is that we are a population that when times are tough, we come together as a unified front. You will make some gains in the early days, but you are still not and are dealing with a culture that will not stop in efforts to beat you back into a corner and into submission. I don't know what kind of accent I'm doing. It sounds kind of... I don't know. Just roll with it. <laughs> Enjoy the ride on your high horse while you can, because the collective New Yorker will ultimately knock you off that horse and stomp you out. Overcoming obstacles is in our DNA. In short, your future is bleak here in New York City. We will all stand strong together, looking out for one another, and we will see this to a successful finish. The only thing they're going to do is oh. sit there and wear their fucking mask while they watch somebody get beat on the subway station. <laughs> That's about it right now. It's good marketing, but it's it just is. marketing. It doesn't mean it needs to be real. That's true. And you know what? Marketing is kind of making us buy and do dumb things that we probably shouldn't do. So. Well, what's even dumber is non-consumption marketing. That's pretty pretty dumb as well. This is a weird tasting beer. It's a coconut New England style IPA. It does not sound that that appetizing. Like, I love say. coconut beers. Like the what's the one? Death by Coconut. By yeah, that's coconut chocolate. That's why I asked. Tremendous. Right? 
Tremendous. Yeah. Delicious. Exactly. New England style IPAs. My favorite. This is weird. It's drinkable, but it's weird. Hmm. You do get a lot of coconut like later on. Like the aftertaste is like big time coconut. Does it taste like coronavirus on the back end? It tastes <laughs> You're just drinking mRNA shots, pretty much. It's just full of it. <laughs> tastes like coronavirus and vaccine and boosters and it tastes. It tastes like a uh, surgical mask. It just ground them up. <laughs> That's right. It's surgical mask and rubber gloves, latex gloves. <laughs> yeah. Put a little latex in there. It just like syringes, grind them up. You know, whatever. That's right. So now, if you're lucky, you get the bonus one with the syringe that pops out. I'm getting hints of ivermectin, perhaps. It's <laughs> delicious. And, um, it's made with real ivermectin. It, it's a little bit weird, but it's also a little bit good. And right. it's just the fact that it's called F the virus makes me happy. So It's kind of like what COVID was, right? It was a little bit weird. But then because everybody worked from home, it was a little bit good, right? A little bit good. You got to find the silver lining. Yin to Everybody, everybody finally... About- Everybody finally got to use QR codes and how to use Apple Pay. There you go. There was a lot the of usage went. The usage had a skyrocket on all that stuff. Yeah. Yin and yang, man. I was a lot of that last episode. And I think we're going to bring in some of that this episode as well. So <laughs> I think with that, we ought to just jump right in. Let's go to Ski News. So we got Lindsey Vaughn just became the first women to ski. This Kitzbühel Strafe. 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 And she did it at night. They described like everything she went through. Now, apparently what she was doing, she was training really hard. And I guess this was sponsored by Red Bull. And they said, hey, you know, you want to ski the, the Strafe and, and go? Because I guess the Hanenkam is the big race that is run there, right? Which we're recording this on Friday the 20th. Today is the day they started. Yeah. She, uh, you know, it describes like what she felt, what she's going through. And then they have video of the of the run. And it's kind of cool because I guess it's kind of like you ever see the guy that that jumped from space. The the kind of what the hell was that dude's name? Baumgartner. Baumgartner. Felix Baumgartner. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like that where they sponsor the whole thing and they show it. And uh, the coolest part of this video, though, I think both of us were looking at it's at night and they have lighted gates. And yeah, it's kind of super cool. Like LED lighted gates is pretty neat. But, you know, like Red Bull does all the time. They got great footage. They got great angles. It looks like they did drone footage. And, you know, they did a really, they did such a good job putting it together. It's, it's like, I got to say, what is it, two minutes maybe? A little bit less than two minutes, yeah. And it was a uh, very interesting watch. So if you haven't seen it, I would say read the article and um, definitely check out the video because. It's pretty cool. I mean, they have, you know, quotes from Lindsay herself saying that, like, it felt like I was jumping off the edge of the world because I guess that start is, like, super steep. Uh, Um, I think they say it's an 85-degree angle at one point. And then it was dark. So it's like, you're not fully lit. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Mausefalle, the mousetrap, the 85-degree gradient. Damn. So she's the first woman to ever ski the men's downhill course. I want to know what her time was. What was her best time? Yeah. So it's, it's well, interesting too. It talks about how she she borrowed the skis from Ryan Cochran Siegel. Yeah, and nice. it was prepared by her former serviceman Heinz Hemmerer. 
to hit speeds of more than a hundred kilometers an hour. Dude, the video, like she is flying. She's flying down. She's absolutely flying. Now, I'm just wondering, you know, now that Michaela Shifton Shifton is is creeping up there, she's closing in on some records. She tied Lindsay, I think, two weeks ago. Yeah, and she's getting a lot of notoriety as the best woman skier and all this stuff. I just wonder, back in back of your head, if that's somebody chasing your records, let's do something with Red Bull, right? Just saying. Just saying. I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if that was it. You know, Lindsay. God, she's doing she's, it. She's hyper competitive. I mean, she's yeah. you know, she's the elite of the elite. So you yeah. know, it's 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 not surprising at all that that, that probably you can always see whenever they talk about Michaela, like when she was doing the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, you know, she was doing the the commentary, and when Michaela had all the problems, you could just tell like part of her was like happy. <laughs> <laughs> you real there was a there was an inkling of it yeah you're like, like yeah I just want to cheer up sure right now it's a rough day for Michaela oh. Oh, bitch yeah like there was a little bit of that <laughs> yeah bitch <laughs> oh man but it's cool too that she was coached by Darren Rawls who was the winner I think he's the only American to have won the the Hanukkah the Hanukkah and there's a there's a I forget if it was a documentary or real maybe it was real sports where they were showing it and they showed when he won it and he's like the partying because that place mm. I remember event, when that happened that dude, was... it is it is the Super Bowl in Kitzbühel this weekend That's awesome and yeah. they are just going and the way they party when the people who win it just it looked so cool it looked like such a great time uh, he's such a badass skier and such a cool guy Darren Rolf so and all you hear is <laughs> it's true it's true back it's back yeah we party Shotzi, shank me ein Foto. All those awesome German apreski jumping songs. on the tables, dancing on the table. Yep. That's how, if you that's haven't skied in done. Europe, man, you don't you don't know what apre is. And you jump on a table it. here, even with without your ski boots, and then you you getting shown the door very easily, very quickly. Very different. Too many out there, here. Like, out there, they're like, you don't want to jump on the table. You might want to get out. <laughs> Less lawyers, more fun. That's right. That's the European way. Taking accountability for your own actions. Yes. Well, there's no way to segue into this with accountability and lawyers. But <laughs> K2, we've all heard of K2. They're a, a bit of a well-known ski company. company. Yeah. They have just released today a new ski boot. But Brian, but Mario... They do this every year. New ski boots. Not What's a so special about this? Well, this is a little different. So they are now using cool. the BOA system. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure most of you have heard of it or seen it. So BOA, I don't know what it stands for, and I will be looking this up. So it's a dial. So on these particular ski boots, instead of having the usual four buckles that we always have, this one on the bottom segment, so the bottom two where there'd be a buckle, is there's this BOA system. So it's a a cable that runs through it connected to that BOA dial, and you can twist to tighten the boot using the dial instead of the, the buckles. What makes it's this very nice. similar to a cycling shoe or a spin shoe where they have the dial on the side that you wrench up to tighten. Yeah. Or maybe you have it in your helmet 
I know one of my helmets has that. So like in the back, yeah, you would twist it to get that that fit. And the yeah. cool thing about it is too, because you're almost getting like those micro adjustments where with a big buckle, you know, you can you can kind of ratchet over to the next one, but you might not get that. Maybe you're like in between the buckles. That's always possible. Mm-hmm. With this, I mean, you really can make those little micro twists. And there's a cool demo in the video where it shows how the cable runs through the two bottom buckles where you can twist it again to make those micro adjustments and see the boat kind of squeezing together. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I think the thing about this that I like too is it makes sure it's even pressure throughout the boot so you don't over tighten like any part of the that bottom piece. Yeah. Yeah, so that whole bottom section is going to be connected to the boa and then there's going to be the regular top two buckles and the the power strap. Hmm. So this is pretty cool. This is going to be called the K2 Recon 120 BOA Men's Ski Boot 2024. And it's also... New damn boots is what I'm saying. Seriously. There's also the K2 Anthem 95 BOA Women's Ski Boot coming out at next year as well. Well, this year, later this year in the fall. Hmm. So these could be a very hot item. One other thing they talk about that the BOA system helps out with the connected fit is designed to uniformly wrap the foot and minimize downward pressure, increasing heel lockdown and improve power and edge to edge control. Damn. Which is nice. What I like about this is either everybody's going to try to copy this with some other technology that's not patented by this. I'm sure they patent the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're just going to capture the market with, with something like this. This is pretty cool. Yeah, this is pretty cool. This is going to be neat. We'll see when they come out. So the women's is about $600 and the men's is about 700 Right. It was about normal for a ski boot, especially something... For a high-end one, yeah. So that's that's where you're going to be looking. Yeah. Because I think it's, you can actually like buy them now, it looks like. Nice. But I guess you're not going to get them until... You got to get them and you got to take them to a nice boot fitter. Get them fit on. You should not right. be buying the boots, according to our pals, the Puglisis at Ski Talk. You cannot, should not even buy boots until you've gone to a boot fitter and had them analyze your foot. Because you yeah. don't pick the boot. The boot this might picks be the you. wrong boot for you. We're going to have them on soon because I have a lot of questions. And I think all of our listeners probably have the same weird ski questions about getting the right boots. Because that's all we're caring about. Trying to find that perfect fit. How do we know what's right? Do we know it's right? Do we even should we even think? Should we just show up and let the boot pick us? Kind of like Harry Potter with the wand, right? Bingo. The wand finds you. That's right. Your ski boots are like your wand. All right, next up we got something fun. We got these ski resorts have the most snow this season with 300 plus inches. So there's a list. And we like our list, and they have all these beautiful photos of tunnels dug through. So cars can go past. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, this week, California just got absolutely slaughtered with snow and rain. I mean, they got... I mean, you, some of the, the flooding was was insane down by the coast. But, Man. but yeah, Mammoth and, and Tahoe, they just got pummeled. I, I, Alta, 415 inches. Brighton, 422 inches. We're not even through January yet. <clears throat> That's crazy. Absolutely. The the lowest one on the list was Homewood with 308 inches. 
Yeah. And this was a couple of days ago. Who knows if another front is rolling in and slaughtering yeah. them again. That was only after a few days. Yeah. As of a few days ago. It's pretty, yeah. Uh, it's so cool. funny how Alta has 415. Snowbird, 395. 20 less inches somehow. They got to beat them out somehow. <laughs> and I'm sure if we were to see any of the East Coast resorts here on the list, it'd be like 30. Yeah. Do you guys forget a zero or a number at the end? No, no, it's uh, 30. It's been a let's, rough year. Let's uh, rattle off the top five. Brighton, Alta, Snowbird, Dodge Ridge, Mammoth. Dodge. I don't even know where Dodge Ridge is. I don't know, but it's on the list now. Then the middle middle zone had Sierra Tahoe, Solitude, Kirkwood, Palisade Tahoe, which I don't know where that is. Boreal, <laughs> Sugar Bowl. I, I cannot recognize it. Uh, and then the bottom ones, Deer Valley, China Peak, Mount Rose, North Star, and Homewood. Mount Rose. Dodge Ridge. Okay. California. Look at that. Dodge Ridge. Looks pretty awesome from the pictures. They got some tubing. You got a nice family lodge there. Tubing. They got some jobs available too. If you want to go to Dodge Ridge. Boom. It looks kind of like the resort that was from that terrible (laughs) Lindsay Lohan Christmas ski movie that I watched. Uh, (laughs) We talked about it a few episodes ago. (laughs) You could be the king of Dodge. Like they have the king of Corbett's. That could be you. You could have the thing though. Like jeans, cowboy hat, ride around. Probably drive a Dodge Ram. There you go. Dodge Ridge. Place looks awesome. We'll learn more about Dodge Ridge later on. Got another kind of, this was a bummer story when it happened about a year or so, uh, about two years ago now. But they finally went to court. So snowboarder found guilty for hit and run crash that killed famous ski instructor at Eldora Mountain Resort in Colorado. The snowboarder who was involved in a hit-and-run collision that killed famed instructor Ron LeMaster at Eldora Mountain Resort, Colorado, last year was found guilty on Tuesday. Nicholas Keith Martinez. Why do they always give like people who are bad or serial killers or guilty? Like They always use the middle name, too. You know, John yeah. Wayne Gacy. It's like James when you're in trouble as a kid, right? They use yeah. your middle name. Nicholas Keith Martinez, 29 of Wellington, was found guilty of leaving the scene of a skiing or snowboarding crash, a petty offense in connection with the death of Ron LeMaster. Martinez was ordered to pay a $500 fine and costs and 40 hours of community service. Hmm. Our hearts go out to the family of Mr. LeMaster, who was tragically killed in the ski collision at the Eldora Mountain Resort on November 30th, 2021. Mr. Martinez was convicted of leaving the scene of that collision without giving his identifying information to authorities, which is required by law. Hmm. Due to quick actions of Eldora Ski Patrol, Mr. Martinez was later located, identified, and prosecuted. The offense is a petty offense under the law, but the sentence reflects the aggravated circumstances around Mr. Martinez's actions in leaving the scene of the crash. Wow. So he pleaded not guilty during his arraignment in October of 2022. So Ron LeMaster, he has written famous ski books like The Ultimate Ski, The Skier's Edge. He f- inju- he suffered blunt force injuries similar to that of a car crash victim. 
Damn. Internal organ damage. His teeth cut a hole in his tongue. He had a broken spine, ribs, left collarbone, sternum, and the bones in his face were also broken. He was wearing a helmet, but never regained consciousness after the collision and passed away at the base of Eldora. Sounds like you got thrown off a cliff. Dude, seriously. So Martinez of Wellington, Colorado, initially stopped at the scene. He suffered a bloody nose and a possible concussion. After trying to prevent LeMaster's friend from taking his picture, Martinez rode away. He was found by a ski patrol in the parking lot. It was illegal in Colorado to flee the scene of an accident that resulted in an injury without leaving your name and current address to an employee of the ski area or ski patrol. Hmm. He was charged with a petty offense that accused him of leaving the scene of the collision. The Class 2 petty charge carries a maximum penalty of a $1,000 fine. According to the deputy district attorney, Allison Brand, because no one saw Martinez snowboarding out of control, he didn't admit to being out of control, and investigators couldn't determine if he was under the influence of alcohol or drugs, prosecutors cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Martinez was guilty of manslaughter. Hmm. Yeah, like that's Sounds like everybody's lawyered up on this one. Yeah. Right. I mean, those injuries are horrible like how i just i can't imagine how he hit him well, that, i'm wondering how fast was he going yeah i mean how do you even like i don't even understand how that could possibly the circumstances of that was was lamaster just standing there maybe not looking and this guy was was not paying attention like, i guess you could do it where if you're going fast enough and you hit somebody staying still you know. Either you're going to suffer or they're just going to get wiped out. And I'm thinking. Yeah, the comments on the article are pretty rough. And again, too, uh, there makes a good point. It's like, how is this different than a car crash where you'd be charged with manslaughter? Yeah. Somebody's injured. Why, yeah. why would it be different? He got off really, really light. He's lucky the law. Yeah, he's lucky the law doesn't, doesn't treat it like a car crash. I mean, it's a terrible story, obviously. It's kind of a weird conclusion, but, you know. In a way, I'm sure people are happy to put this behind them and move on. Very crazy. Ugh. Yeah. All electric snow bike could be hitting European ski slopes this year. Damn, As the ski season gets underway in Europe, an all new electric snow bike might be joining skiers and snowboarders in the mountains this year. The French made moon bike, which retails for 10,000 euros according to the company's website, can reach speeds up to 42 kilometers an hour. What's that in real speed? It's like 30? It's 1.6. It's 0.6 kilometers to miles per hour because 100 kilometers is 62 miles an hour. So 0.6. It is 26 miles an hour. 26. Eh, We can call it 30. Battery life of three hours and weighs 87 kilograms. That's 2.2 pounds per kilogram. So let's call it 200 pounds. A little bit more. Tourism experts from Austrian ski resorts have recently tested it on the Kanertal Glacier. The silent snowmobile will be available in four Tyrolean ski resorts in the Austrian Alps. That's pretty. The device. Pretty awesome. Well, this is the thing. The device will not be let loose on normal ski slope, but will be allowed on special closed snow bike areas or guided trails. Because th- when they said it was silent, I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. Because even when you see you know, at places that have those snow bikes, dude, if those things are f- dangerous. Yeah. 
Like if someone is flying towards you, those, how do you stop in those? <laughs> like those snow bikes? Seriously, how do you stop? Yeah, it's craziness. These are cool. Yeah, they seem cool. And if they have special courses for them or special trails, then that's great. But yeah, I'm glad they're keeping them away from everyone else. I, I still can't believe they use those snow bikes here in the States. I mean, they don't have Dude, motors or anything. I don't know how they I use them. I can't believe they have e-bikes. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> did you see any of these while you were over there in uh, good old Europe? I did not. I did see one ski bike, you know, the uh, the ones that where they just come downhill. Right. Um, guy didn't look like he was in control. I was like, okay, yeah, get away from me. Well, speaking of Europe and their snowless ski resorts. Yes. Winter resorts are nearing or fearing for the future. In Europe, there's been a drought of snow for large chunks of, of Europe. Some of these ski slopes in the Alps and, and uh, other smallest mountainous parts, they're actually making fake snow. And I heard the same when I was there that they, where we were, uh, they get a, it's one of the highest in, in Europe. They were making fake snow as well the weeks before we got there. Yeah, they're showing one of these, they're showing this cross country slope in Austria. And it is just a strip, like a almost look like, like a, a highway of, of snow. And that's it. Everything else is green. Oh, bad news. But yeah, they're saying Austria, like Bosnia, <clears throat> um, several parts of the Alps. Most of the, most of the stuff they showed was Austria, French Alps, Austrian Alps, Swiss Alps. So there is there is not a lot, um, not a lot of snow in spots. In spots, and we had a story a couple weeks ago too. How that one ski resort took down their lift because of the lack of snow. But I guess this is actually the perfect story to lead us into our main topic. I don't think you had that problem where you were in Europe, did you? We got very, very lucky. Um, so is we went lucky? to is it lucky? Valtorin, the Trois Valleys. Everywhere I go, I'm lucky. That's how I, you just got to believe it, and it happens. That's right. So we went, went to Three Valleys, did the Club Med again with the wife, and this time another couple. And it was kind of fun because uh, we got to ski with them and got to hang out. Uh, but the place was place was pretty good. Um, so tell us so, about like, like what does club med offer? Like, like what it makes club med different than if you were going to a Marriott or a Fairmont or, a you know, motel six, it's an all inclusive. So it's basically like a oh. cruise scheme. So you eat your face off, you drink your face off, lift tickets are included. And the big thing is you get lessons or guides five out of the six days you can ski. <sighs> That is all included cool. in one package, which is nice. Yeah, I tell you, this, this was a good place. We went, we did Val Torrens. I'd done Val Torrens with the uh, Hoboken Ski Club way back. And that was a little more, it was a little different. I could explain the, the differences, but, you know, because they didn't do Club Med. I really got to believe there's there's a growing desire to have all-inclusives for something like skiing because the equipment, the rental, that's still extra, but it was all there on site. The you know, the inclusion of the lift tickets and a guide or lessons all, all day. I mean, all day lessons, like you can't, that, that the price of that alone is you probably make it up because when you add it up, it's, it's just a good deal all around. Well, the guide is huge because 
when you're going to a place like that, it's not, oh, I'm going up to uh, a place and I have friends there. You know, this right. is a place that it's it's uh, literally foreign to you. Yeah. And to have someone who is an expert, who knows the terrain, who knows where the powder stashes are, who where you should avoid things yeah. that are dangerous, sketchy. That is, I mean, that's where there's weight in gold, really, especially because when you hear about all these these avalanche deaths that have happened recently, I mean, mostly out in Colorado, but it can happen wherever there's a big dumping of snow. And to, to have someone who is an expert in the terrain, that's, I mean, that, that would cost you a couple hundred bucks, hundred euros a day easily. And to have easily. that five of six days, like that's, yeah. that's tremendous. And then they have, usually they have about six levels of groups and you pick one being the lowest all the way to six. This one did this weird 2A, 2B, whatever, but it was the same concept. You had basically one through one through six, uh, six being you're going to go mainly off piece and, and back country and stuff like that. Uh, all the way down to one is just a, a, a novice beginner, first time skier, but it, it really is good. Like, so when I go with my wife, she goes into her group, which is which is like an intermediate, and I go into the crazy group, depending on how <laughs> I feel, which which one I go into. We got there, and the good part of it is we got, I got to say, it's about a foot, maybe a little bit more of snow. The day, the night we got in, so we got lucky. Oh, it was wow. like starting to flurry when we got there, snowed all night, and the next day it was still snowing. And we went out skiing in the first day and it was like knee deep powder. It was pretty good. Nice. So, so did you actually bring your skis or did you rent while you were there? So I rented this time. Last time I brought them, you know, it's funny when I bring them, I'm like, ah, I probably should have rented. And when I rent them, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> of course we had powder. I'm like, my DPS skis are sitting there. They're just sitting there in Florida, there. you know, which is I'm the great best spot for them. You mother effort. Like why? And how big were the skis you had that you got in, in Europe? They weren't, they weren't wide, but they were still pretty good. I got to say they were Rossies. Kind they were. They weren't slalom skis necessarily. I think they were all mountain, all mountain-ish. But okay. um, they were, uh, yeah, they were good. And I was able to switch skis if I wanted. Um, I mean, we, we had probably like re- two really good snow days. And they everybody at the resort was all happy because they had there was that buzz going around because this was the first good snow that they've gotten in a while. Oh really? Um, because it was it was like a you know snowless ski resort. It was it was you know droughtish, so they were actually blowing snow, and then you know they they we got this foot and a half or so of snow, and then we started getting more the entire week. And they were blowing for avalanche every day in the mornings, you know, for a while. But I got to say, you know, one of the benefits of having a guide all day or a lesson all day is, especially in Europe, if you get an instructor. Um, that's certified by one of these organizations. It is no joke. I mean, the same thing happened in Italy. Now it's in France. They follow, I think it's an affiliated organization, but it's, it's, you know, it's not the same. And, um, you know, talking to the, to the people there, they're like, they said it takes three years to become an instructor, three, three seasons to become an instructor. And you go through a whole battery of tests you need to know a whole bunch of you get certifications on a whole bunch of stuff. So it's almost like you have to be a mountain guide, EMT, and instructor all in one. And they put oh, wow. you through the paces. Like it's pretty rigorous. Like they said, you gotta every few years you gotta recertify. It takes 
three seasons because you go through all these trainings and exams as you go through. So if you fail any of those exams, it kind of sets you back, if not kicks you out of the whole program. Oh, wow. So yeah, so. that's that's kind of like we, you know, we had an interview with Nick Robinson a couple episodes ago where, you know, he was talks about this, you know, the school that he, I guess, it's not really a school. It's almost like a, the club for the instructors. Right. So they can, you know, the folks can pick their instructors ahead of time, depending on the resort they go to. That's cool that it's that rigorous and that you're definitely getting someone who knows what they're doing with that sort yeah. of education and, you know, updated knowledge. Yeah. And it's a different way of life. You know, you talk to these, um, these instructors and like, I went with a few different instructors because I switched groups a few times, just kind of bopping around skiing with my friends. Actually, I just did it twice, but the one guy was younger and I think he said he had been doing it still already for like 12 years. And he did the skiing he did in the winter and in the summer he did water skiing. I was like, that's pretty cool on a lake that was nearby. And there was another dude that was, uh, that I was skiing with. He had done it for 42 years. And up until three years ago, he, he was doing something in the summer and he just sighed after three years, like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. So him and his wife just hang out on the off season, but it's five and a half, their season's five and a half months long. Okay. So when do they start? Like early November? Uh, they start mid November. I think he said through end of April. Nice. So it was like five and a half months, roughly, maybe a little more, but I mean, that's a long that's a decent sized season, you know, for working. And these dudes are working at least six days a week. They're doing the guiding. You know, the ones that we ha- had were paid to do, I guess, the guide with us throughout the whole day. And during lunch, some of them would go out and do the privates, which is oh, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So they're just skiing all day. I mean, that's what they do out out on the mountain all day. So, so now you mentioned before it is the three valleys. Did you ski into? Any of the other valleys? Uh, you were we there? did go into Miraval once, and then in Valterens, there's a few different areas. There's La Meunière, which I think is the lower part of the mountain, which we went, and then there's another place called Orel, which is O R E L Orel, or that's how you say it, Orel, which is like a nice little bowl on in one of the sides, bowl or valley. It's like the sun goes east to west. So it's a little bit different than the, the rest of the mountain. So you get sun on it all day. So depending on the day, sometimes that'll be clear and it's kind of a nice little, almost like a little Shangri-La. Very cool. Oh, nice. But yeah, I mean, me, me having skied it before on my own and learning some of the areas, like I kind of, I, I kind of knew where I was going, you know, from memory, just kind of remembered a lot a lot of stuff we were going through but it's just so nice having somebody bring you around you're not looking at a, a map they're timing everything out like yeah we're gonna go break it this you know we're gonna break for lunch at this time and they get you there at the same you know at that time yeah uh so it's kind of like you know they plan the number of runs they don't you know depending on the group they don't really slow down that much they just kind of keep going through and you cover a lot of skiing in one day uh okay. it really it whoops you but you feel good at the end of the day like i got a full day out i mean you end up like four o'clock. Nice. So you go from nine to four usually, and you know, take about a hour and a half for lunch, and it's not not a bad life. No, that's pretty awesome. <clears throat> so for the most part, you stayed in Valtherens for the for skiing. Yeah, most of the part, and we did go into Mirabel um, a few times because 
there's that one lift you, you kind of go over and you ski a little bit in there and you come back. Um, but yeah, we did that. The thing with, um, club med, which is good and bad is you have kind of, they have entertainment and stuff there. So it's kind of stuff to do and, and, you know, hang out at the end of the day, the group I was with and my wife, I was like, you know, let's get out, let's see the town. So we, we did, you know, skip, skip out after dinner, a few, a few nights, we actually did our own thing for dinner, just to get out and get some local food. But, uh, it was cool to see the little town. It's a nice little town. It's all kind of compact, but it's on a mountain. So it's kind of, you're done with skiing, you're walking through the town and you're walking up and down hill. Hmm. And then you're cutting through these, uh, like shopping centers that they have built into the hill. So you're kind of going up and down stairs and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. What would you consider your favorite, like ski would it, would it be a piste or an area in Valterens? So depending on how the weather is, that Oroel area is really kind of cool. A map of Valterens, so I can. Yeah, Oroel is pretty good. Yeah, Valterens is good. Like you got to find the right runs. I guess you having that guide makes it a lot easier. Oh, you don't even right. you don't even look at a map, so you're just kind of. <laughs> It's just, it's pretty awesome. There's some little pockets and really, you know, like any big mountain, uh, it really depends on the weather, like where you're going to go. So yeah, if the sun's out, if it's, we had a few days where it was like, you know, that full on fog and snow at the same time. And yeah. you're like, I really can't see. So yeah, I know you posted a picture of the whiteout, right? I don't remember if that was the first day or the second day, but we're skiing and about midday it starts the one day it wasn't, it wasn't really clear all day. It was a little kind of hazy, foggy, uh, and snowy. So we stayed out and that, that's the thing. You were the guy that like, I know where I'm going, just follow me. And you keep following the dude. Like, I think I want to go back. Like, I think I want to fucking die out here. We're, We're hanging out and the guy's taking us all around. It winds up like all of a sudden kind of suddenly, which happened while I was there the whole time happens in the mountains suddenly it went to like maybe being able to see 10 feet in front of you with the fog and snowing pretty hard. So I'm like, I can't see anything. So the guide's like, come on, just follow me and stay close together. So you can tell the terrain, you know, the, the landscape and you know where to go. And it's like, all right, so let's follow each other. So now you're with people and you're hoping they, they follow close enough that you don't start lagging back. If you're mm-hmm. behind them, because you're not really trying to pass anybody because you don't know where you're going. So you're following each other and we're following the guide. So we're following this dude and it took us, we were all the way, I think we were, I think we were in Orel, which is off the back of the mountain. If you look at the mountain map, yeah, it's on the top right. Oh, it's like the little insert. Yeah. 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 It kind of falls off the, that other side of the mountain mm-hmm. and that's where the sun goes east to us. So it's almost like a little, I wouldn't say it's a bowl because of the shape. It's like just an area and they have, you know, a few little ridges in there. Uh, but they have some cool runs and I like it cause it's kind of like a hidden gem. It's hard to get to. And then once you're there, you kind of hang out in there. But I think we had gone to a route and we're coming back and <laughs> you could see where that is in relation to where the village is at the bottom. And it's like, so we had to ski all that, not being able to see, uh-huh. And it was just, you know, it was fine because I was with an advanced group, but I was like, I was kind of afraid. I was like, 
I hope my wife's okay. I hope my friends are okay. <laughs> you know, I know they're not as avid skiers, so I'm kind of like, they must be miserable. And everybody felt the same way. I was like, I think, I think we're going to be lost out here. Oh man. So it was, it was interesting. And I tell you, when we got back that day, I was like, I am, I am wiped out right now. <laughs> so now I, I'm looking at the trail map and for those who aren't familiar, the trail color system in Europe is different. So they have greens and blues and blacks, but they also have reds. Yeah. I forget. What is red? Is that like more? It's like between blue and black, right? It's between blue. It's like a double blue. Some some of them we've seen double blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, I guess, a double blue between a blue and a black. Okay. And, and is there I don't any, know why is... they separate it that way because there's a ton of them. So I guess they're just making the distinction for that level of skier like mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah is is there any resort or any place in the u.s that you can compare this to the skiing no and you know that's why i was glad to bring my friends they live in in florida now too but the one the one guy that i skied with he's a pretty good skier water skier skied his whole life he he actually cut his chops in upstate new york at uh greek peak greek peak all right nice so that's where he learned to ski and we were talking about so he knows ice he knows east coast skiing he <laughs> knows he knows regular just going out there just to get a day or a night of skiing in uh so it's kind of cool like hanging out with him and i i'd never skied with him so it was kind of kind of cool to see know what to expect right exactly but uh where was i going with this i don't know i asked you where what this reminds you of ah, place in America. what this reminds in, in America. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of, I asked him the same thing. Once we got up to the, we got up to the, uh, the Alps and we get out like for the first day of skiing and you're looking around and I was like, what does this remind you of? And he said the same thing I was thinking that I'll say to you, it's like nothing that you've seen in the U S because it's <laughs> just all around you. It's vast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even if you think, you, you know, you start the day, you're like, oh, it's not too bad. It's just this little area here. And then you keep skiing and skiing and skiing. And you're like, holy crap, I think we crossed over another mountain, right? You know, like, <laughs> where the hell are we? So um, I got to say, I'm trying to think, what is this big? I guess maybe Whistler hmm. in North America. I mean, does it remind me of it? Not really, because there's no trees. So that's the other thing. Valterens yeah. is at about 7,600 feet at the base. Oh wow! So I had trouble sleeping. I got problems with the with the altitude, altitude. Mm-hmm. and usually I think I I did tell you right. I was at eight thousand feet on mountain in Mountain Village, which is up on the mountain. This is the base of the mountain. The, uh, in the village was seventy five hundred seventy six hundred feet. Oh wow! So that was yeah, that was pretty rough. It's all meters, so you're like, nah, it's only three thousand meters. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's a big deal. Then you do the calculation, like, God damn, I didn't know it was a big deal. So what's the ver- what's the vertical there? It's a lot. Yeah, because I'm looking at the top here. It looks like the top of the ski runs here about three thousand meters. What's in, what's that in English? It's like nine. Yeah. Oh, Liftopia is Over saying nine. peak elevation ten thousand five hundred ninety seven feet, it's similar to Colorado, and then the vertical drop is four uh, for about forty six hundred feet. Whoa. All right. So that's not too shabby. 
Not too shabby. I mean, it, there's just so many places to go. And, you know, you got, yeah. you got the steeps, you got, you know, and then every once in a while in there, you just get some weird little run that's like really nice and steep. So that's the, that's the one thing that like you mentioned, the lack of trees. And that's something when you're in Europe, the terrain is so vast. And then they have like the trail. Yeah. And you're like, okay, here's the trail. And here's this, 10 this times is- the amount of snow to the left of me, which yeah. is off piste. Right. It's just weird. And they have these like just gate sticks that are just separating, that are lining the run. And mm-hmm. that's it. So you're like, so what's the difference in me going in this side of the stick or the other side? So one side is you're on, on piste, you know, on the trail, the groom trail, and the other one's off piste. Yeah. And you're a nice fresh powder that nobody likes to go skiing out there. <laughs> there's some more. I could tell there's more people, but for the most part, the general public likes staying on their groom trails. It's if you haven't been to Europe skiing, get over there soon because it's it's truly a different experience and it is an incredible one. So we were out there and uh the first day uh you know we got all that snow and I'm like, holy crap, this is nice. So I'm telling the instructor, I'm like, yo, are we gonna go off piece? He's like, If you want to go off piece, yeah, I'll tell you where and you just, if you want to go. I'm like, everybody's like stopped and he's watching and I'm in the back. And he's, I hear him talking. He's like, oh, and we're, you know, if everyone wants to go down here, there's, there's fresh powder. So I don't even look. I just go jump in it. He's like, all right, man. <laughs> That's the move. Zipping in there. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want you other idiots to get in there before I do. So I got it. Shows wisely, my friend. I got in there good, messed up the powder. I was like, this is awesome. Oh, wow, nice. It was a lot of fun. I, I got to say that was a, that was the best day of skiing. And then near the end of the trip, there was another day it snowed. It had to be another six or eight inches. Uh, so on top of, you know, powder on top of powder, it was just, it was, it added up yeah. and anything that was skied out was fresh again. So oh, beautiful. Um, those are just two good days. So what was your weather breakout then in terms of like nice days, bluebird days, crap we days? We had, <laughs> I would say I had three half bluebird days, halves. Half bluebird. Yeah. So it'd be like clear one, one day it was clear in the morning and then it fogged up again and, and snowed in the afternoon. And another two days, it was, it cleared up around lunchtime for most of the time. It was just very spotty. It was a lot of, a lot of flat light and a lot of, but a lot of snow and a lot of fog. A lot of fog. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, like you don't have trees, you don't have something to reference. So yeah. you're out there and it's all rock and it's all snow at this point. And you get a whiteout with snow and you're just like, I don't know where I'm going. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's when it gets really scary. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to pay attention to those little sticks and keep them, you know, keep them on your left. If you're in the middle, you know, depending where you are. So yeah, it's just, it was very cool, but there's other things we did too. So we skied. They had a rock climbing wall in the hotel, which was fun. I nice. think I posted a video of that. <laughs> they had a zip line. So last time I was here, I did the one zip line and I shared the video. This time, no video because it was a different zip line that you actually had to hold. Uh-huh. So the other zip line went further. I think it went, it was like, know, like two miles. It was like far and it went peak to peak. Two so miles. We, yeah. I don't know. I'm exaggerating, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Two kilometers. Uh, I gotta look it up now. <laughs> and just for those who are counting on the web, on the website with the interactive ski map, it says the ski area is open from November 26th to May 
Eighth. Damn, that's a long season. Nice. All right, so there's two zip lines there. One is called the Tyrolene. Tyrolean? No, the Tyrolene. And the other one is called Tyrolean. That's what it is, Tyrolean. It goes over 1,300 meters. 1,300 meters. Okay. Yeah. So that's like about a mile. Yeah, so that one goes... Um, Bit under. 1,421. Yeah. So that, and it goes from peak to peak. So you're over this valley and you're just flying across. And that That's one, cool. I went really, really fast on that. So the video is like me going on that and just like, just flying down. But because everything is so wide and, and the scale is so different, it looks like you're not going that fast until you start landing. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> Coming yeah, in hot. Coming in hot. They have these balls that are going past and they're probably separated by whatever distance you know, hundred meters or thousand, whatever it is. And you start going and you see those balls coming at you faster and faster. And they're like on a, I guess a, a safety line above that. And you're just like, wow, I'm at some point you're just like, I, the balls are going zoom, 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 zoom. You're like, I'm flying right now and you feel it. Yeah. So that was the Tyrolean. So if you look at the picture of that, you're almost sitting in a cradle. So it's not, and you kind of have, you can hold up here. You can just kind of, let go because you're in like a chair, you know, your skis are behind you, you know, strapped to strapped to you behind you because when you get off, you got to ski back down the mountain. Um, oh, so you do it like in your ski boots. Yeah. Oh yeah. You just show up. You have to ski there. Uh, then you do sense. it and then you ski back down. So that I did the previous time that I was there. What we did on the last day that we were there, which it was closed every day except the last day because of the weather. So um, my wife and I got to do it, and that is side-by-side zip lines. So yeah. I was on one, my wife was on the other, and you can race, you can, but you're going, kind of going together, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. And that is more of a harness, uh, like a backpack pack harness. They put your skis on, and then you're hooked into the harness, but it's not a full like seat chair. So you're holding on to the, to the, the zip line handles and going down and this one's called the flying bee or the hmm. bee this one goes pretty far because it looks like it's short but you switch ropes three uh twice oh okay so you go down it's funny they give you this <laughs> they, they give you a video and you're looking you're kind of like it was kind of a weird way to buy the tickets but i realized it was efficient like you had to scan your ski pass and then buy your ticket and it loaded the pass the ticket onto your pass, right? So okay. theoretically, we could have gone up to the kiosk, bought it, and come back later in the day and said, hey, we want to do it now. And it was on the pass, right? Mm-hmm. So so we get there. We, we do this crazy thing to get in. And the guy's like, okay, give me your stuff. Of course, you know, broken English, and we're trying to understand him. And basically takes our ski down this conveyor belt. So you put your skis on there and, you know, took my backpack. And uh, he's like, okay, you got to watch a video. So... Puts on this video. It's like 20, 30 seconds. We're barely paying attention because we're all excited and we're looking at everything. (laughs) (laughs) So after you do that, you go and you practice. They have like a whole little setup there when you switch over. And I kind of, I kind of paid enough attention to that and kind (laughs) of figured it out. And like, yada, yada, yada. Let's just go. 
Yeah, exactly. And so, because I'm thinking, you just get on this thing, you go down once, and you're you're done. All right, or get yeah. off, and all right, thanks, that Miss Scusi, and get the hell out. Right. <laughs> I don't know if my wife is paying attention or not either. So I'm kind of like, all right, and they help us strike, you know, get all ready, and okay, when you get want to go, you, you you just go. So like, you push off, and boom, you're zipping down. So we zip down to the first one, and I'm like, oh shit, there's another one. Like we got to switch lines. So you got to do the safety line and you got to unhook and you got to go over to the line. And so we're hooking it up. My wife had hers on backwards. So I was oh, like, wait, no. wait, wait, we're not ready. You got to turn it around. So we turn it around. <laughs> then like I'm checking things like, and I'm like, I didn't really pay attention to that video. So this is the scariest part of the whole thing. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, well, if I fucked up, I'm going to, I'm going to find out now to my death. <laughs> so that, that was the scariest part. It was the second jump off because you're doing it yourself and you're like, Whoa. And then you switch one last time and, and, and you get down and, and you're, that takes you. So what you do is you ski down to a lift, you take the lift up and then you do the zip line all the way down. You're back at the, like the lower village, which is kind of cool. So what do you do with your skis? They're strapped to your back too. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So it's kind of, it was cool. It was, it was cool, only yeah. 25 bucks, 25 euro. So that's nothing. That's not bad. Yeah. That's, that's cool. It's something else to like mix up the, uh, the adventure. Yeah. And then of course, like we didn't check out, they have the, uh, ice, the ice track where you can race go-karts or cars. Mm-hmm. So it's in a whole ice racing track. They, they have a whole thing there. Very cool. cool. But we weren't close to that. Like we didn't, you had to ski over to it or. I think you could have taken a left, but yeah. So, so skiing was good. A lot of vertical. Yeah. Some days there was fog. How was the, uh, like, what's the town like? So the town is, uh, they have like one bar called the frog. They, they say it's the highest, the highest bar in the Alps. <laughs> so we went there, of course, uh, like a British pub. Then they had, um, so they had a lot of pubs. They had some fine dining restaurants like throughout. Some of them were in hotels. Uh, some of them were like on their own. Um, and the town almost was like, you know, like the road for the town is almost like a bunch of switchbacks. Okay. So when you're walking, they actually have you, you like in the middle of, you know, the long streets, you have like a cut through. And you go through the cut through and it's basically all these shops and stores in like a mall that's built into the, um, you know, the stairs and stuff that go from the, that lower street to the, to the upper street. So it's kind of cool. You cut through like two of these and you get across the whole town. So you can can cut through. Uh, but they have, you know, some cool bars that have good outpray. There's, you know, like I said, all different types of dining. We at this place called, what was the name of it? We had a few places. One of them was nice. I got to say, really good food at both. One had like Italian food. The other one had like French and fusion food. Uh, but yeah, really good stuff. Do you have any uh, foie gras? Did not have any foie gras. No foie gras, huh? No foie gras. No frog legs. No frog legs. Um, did, yeah. you, did you go to the American party? Did not go to the American party. Did not go to the American. So we went to the Folly Deuce like twice. Um, first time we stayed for a while. The second time we went uh, just to kind of eat something in a day, pick up some souvenirs and get the hell out of there. That was our last day too. Our last day we did a lot of just kind of catching up on stuff. Now, what was the, what was the, f- the first year you went to Valtherens? 
Uh, it was a while ago. It was pre-COVID, right? Yeah, way, way before. I think it was almost a year or two after Ishkil. Okay. Because we How? did we did Zermatt. Then I did Cortina. Broke my uh, shoulder, remember? Yeah. Then we did Ishkil. 2015. And then I think right after that, maybe 2018, 2019, probably 2018, I think that's when I did Baltarines. Okay. How would you say the vibe is now versus back then? Like pre-COVID and I'm calling it post-COVID. So all over France when we traveled. So we flew into Paris, spent the day in Paris, then took the bullet train. I I watched bullet train on the bullet train. (laughs) Took that. You are watching snakes on a plane. That's a plane. right. Just like you're on a plane, you watch the snakes on a plane. Um, got to um, you know a little town called Moutiers, which is uh, just past Lyon, and got picked up by the shuttle. Did the whole week. The entire time, I didn't notice. Parisians don't give a shit about COVID and and all the protocols. I rarely saw a mask. I think I've seen more masks down here with the snowbirds that have come down than I saw in, in France. While all I was from there. New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they were like, whatever they're over. It. I mean, they're, they're, they hug, they talk, you know, do they French kiss? They're just, yeah, they're just, yeah. Right. But <laughs> there was none of this like overzealous, you know, Purell or anything like that. Um, the other interesting thing is the week that we went, which is the first week of January right after apparently, in Brazil, they have their big holiday, and I guess they market a lot of and they a lot of them ski. So, Club Med was filled with with Brazilians, okay. um, which was, I gotta say, not not bad. Hey man, those culture <laughs> those are two cultures that have helped to liberate humanity sexually. <laughs> <laughs> the French kiss, the Brazilian wax. I mean, come on. That's that's synergy right there. Exactly. Um, but yes, it was interesting. It was like a huge Brazilian population um, in there. Like a lot of families and stuff. It was, it was pretty interesting. Um, but Making yeah. Families. Families. Um, I tell you, the, definitely doing the ski club trip versus the club bed, of course. They're two different vibes as it is. Um Folly deuce and all. I think this, the vibe is still kicking, if not maybe a little better. Like, because people are going there to party. They're not going there to just talk about locking up. They're at a, a ski mountain that's been there for, I don't know how long Valtorens has been there, but probably hundreds of thousands of years. years yeah. And nobody's going to give a shit. They want to ski, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of kind of That's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, I think Ishio might be back on the docket for next year. Is this Gotta go, go to the super spreader. Uh, as long as no one's like gonna sue the whole city. Country. I wanna see if uh I wanna see if like Dawkins playing there or something for the uh Dawkins. They have a they always have like a metal band play, right? They have a lot, they, of, a lot of 80s bands. Yeah. yeah. It was like Bon Jovi there a bunch of times. Wasn't that the big thing? Yeah. Relax if you can. <laughs> Relax if you can. <laughs> That was that was a fun trip. Um, oh, that was a great trip. Game changer. I got I to say, Valtorens is is a little bit so Ishkil's off the charts when with the party vibe. <laughs> uh, but I would say the town is is, is very similar to Valtorens. Oh, really? Okay. 
Uh, Valtorin's just a little more spread out because of the, the the way it's, you know, the switchbacks go. Everything's kind of centered in one little downtown area. Uh, okay. We did bowling there. We actually bowled one night. Look at you. You're like, uh, you're really into bowling these days, aren't you? Dude, we walked around and we're like, let's do whatever. So the couple were with bowls with us and the girl's very competitive. So she's like, yeah, let's go bowling. We're going to bowl. Dude, <laughs> I got to say for four hours bowling, one game, I think it was like 60 bucks or something like that. It was outrageous. It was just, um, I was like, whatever, you know, but now I could say I bowled in the French Alps at, at altitude, 7,600 feet. Damn. Not bad. Is your bowling game affected by the altitude? It was affected by the alcohol and the, <laughs> blame it on the, uh, 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 and the altitude. We were bowling, uh, our buddies up there bowling and the kid next to him. And it was funny. It was all like Brits and you know, it was adult and kids. Um, this British kid is screwing around and I guess he was trying to throw the ball, throws it across the lane into our lane. It was just funny. I was like, wow, I'm glad he didn't hit anybody with that thing. Damn. So it was Bunch pretty, it was just funny. Well, just so. FYI, the top of the mountain spring concert at Ishkil, the headliner is George Ezra. Oh, I thought they'd have, they, is Mickey Crasso going to be there? I have no idea who George Ezra is. Apparently some British singer dude. And Gotthard, the Swiss rock band, will also be there. So, Wow. There you go. George Ezra looks like a... He looks like he's giving you this... Uh, a Nordic Harry Styles. He's undressing you with his eyes, with That's his right. hunky lips. He's the Nor- uh, Nordic Harry Styles. <laughs> and you have Eros Ramazotti. The hell's that? You come out of retirement? Come on, come on it's Eros Ramazotti. He's probably like an Italian DJ, though. So. Ah. You know how that goes. So, how was the food in general there? So. Because like that's thing all inclusive, so you, you sometimes it's uh, food's mediocre. So the food was good. The problem is the culture, right? So when we're in Italy, Italian food's Italian food everywhere, right? It's delicious. Can't lose enough Italian food to know what I like and don't like, and I like most of it, right? It's just an easier to eat food. When you get into French cuisine, mm. <laughs> anytime I've been at a club met, it's not like don't they throw focus. a few organs around. Yeah, it's not like they focus on just that um, cultural food. They they mix it up a bit, and then they have like some theme nights where they try to do um, do something like that. Now they did have raclette. Almost every meal I had raclette. So nice. a week of eating melted cheese <laughs> just so to destroy your body. For those uninitiated, what is raclette? <laughs> so they take a take a wheel of cheese, cut it in half. <laughs> And basically bake the top and scoop off that, you know, as it's baking and, and heating, scoop off the melted, starting to bake and, and brown cheese and scrape that off onto anything you want to eat it on. So imagine you're waxing your skis, but instead of using wax. Fromage. Instead of wax on your skis, it's cheese on your plate. Cheese. Same kind of thing, right? Yeah. And... You know, it gets to the point where you're loading up on all the stuff to dip the cheese in, and then they give you a plate of melted cheese, and you're like, oh, great, thanks. And you walk back and you eat that, and you're like, well, it's kind of like I put the salad in the cheese, so that counts as a, a salad with a lot of cheese, right? 
Yep. So, I'm gonna go shit my brains out now. It, exactly. Yeah. So the cheese was good, but it was just different. They had, they had good cheese every day. I mean, we had a lot of decent wine. Um, I gotta say, they always had salads. You know, they had a lot of good stuff. But then the main course was like, you know, they had they always had hamburger and like their version of hot dogs, which were like just sausages. Yeah. Um, but you know, they had stuff that like, you know, bridge people like and stuff that, cause they know the groups that are going there. So they kind of know what to do. The most frustrating thing is you want to order an egg. They weren't doing, they were doing omelets. So get omelet once in a while, but then again, the cheese, not the same, right? Mm, no American cheese. Just to get a fried egg. I like my fried eggs, yolk broken, just hard, right? I'm, I'm a hard guy. That's just how I do, how I do it. <laughs> oh, we know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get mine. Um, <laughs> to, to, ha- to get them to flip over that egg, <laughs> you think they were going to come over there and slap the shit out of me? It's like they were going to pull the egg out of the chicken's asshole with their mouth. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You want to flip this goddamn egg? If it was like, if it was French Brooklyn, that's what you would have gotten. Like, you want a fresh one? I'll I'll give you a fucking flipped over egg. So after they flip over the egg, they don't break it, you know. And it was funny. You had like different people. Like you had the snooty French guy that pretended he didn't understand you. When you asked him to flip an egg, oh, dickhead. that was mad. The dickhead. Did he have and a then, giant chef hat? He did. Of course he did. And then the lady from like Guyana, who's there, cooking the shit out of everything. Like it was just because they get people from all over the world that are working there. And it's just you get hit or miss. So it was good. I would go to the girl every day and be like, can you make me? And she's like, I know what you need. Hmm. <laughs> you know, with a, with a heavy accent. You know, I say it like, like. I know what you need, like baby. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was kind of it was interesting. The food was good. I gotta say, the food was really good, and they had a specialty restaurant. You just had to make a reservation, no extra cost. It was kind of it was really cool. Um, wait, wait before you it's go, just different food. You, you mentioned the different clientele. What would you say was like the breakdown of the clientele that was there? So the week we were there, I would say eighty percent Brazilian. Whoa, <laughs> uh, like and mixed everybody else at, you know, some, I see some, we met some Czech people or some Australian people, like everybody from around the world. I mean, you talk about worldwide super spreader. That's the place right there. Yeah. A few, a good amount of Americans. Uh, oddly enough, there was a ski club from Tampa there, uh, really? not the Tampa Bay ski club. Um, the other older one that they were crotchety. I won't even go into it, but the Tom Brady ski club. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Old crotchety Tom. Old crotchety Tom. Um, Damn that FTX. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of, it was a good breakdown. It's just the week that we're there. It depends what area has has holiday. I mean, I think when I went in the past, there were a lot of British people because it was a different week. When I went same week into Italy last year, or three years ago when we last went and it wasn't Brazil. It was, uh, it was pretty mixed. It was just, you know, so it depends on the region. And I, I think it really depends where they market, you know, what regions they market and when they have holidays. So. Okay. Yeah, talking to you know, the Brazilians, I was talking to, to some of them and they're like, yeah, this is our summer. Like you, you forget. They're like, True, yeah. Off. I'm like, but you work, right. They're like, we got two months off. That's how we, 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. We're the idiots that are like, unless you're out of grade school, you don't get it two months off. God damn, think about that. I never even, I'm so dumb. I never even thought about it. If you lived in South, I imagine you're like a teacher yeah. in like South America or Australia. And you're like, oh, I yeah, just I get two months off and I can just go north. Let's go, go ski in the Northern Hemisphere. Live your life. God damn. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's quite a long ride for them, but they were staying. They got two months off. They can, they can spend a day traveling. Right. Well, a lot of them, and, and this wasn't just them. We met another Australian couple. And the last time we, took, we were talking to an Australian couple, and they both said the same thing. They, they take off when they come over to Europe, they'll do at least two weeks because, you know, they want to make the most of the flight and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so they were saying, and a lot of people, even the Brazilians, they were doing like, they would go to Lyon, spend a day or two there, and then come and ski. You know, so they kind of make, or they did Paris like we did, and then went and ski. But they did like three, you know, two three days. I feel like I'd want to go to Lyon after and just like gorge myself. Yeah, because that, apparently that's like the big. It's like a like the cuisine there is supposed to be out of this world, right? Because it's so we're, very traditional, yeah, we, heavy French cuisine. Yeah, I actually want to go there. So we did Paris and you know, did the Eiffel Tower, did the, the Louvre, took an Uber. Was that your first time there? Around town, I've so been there before. Oh, was first time there. Saw so, like Notre Dame, but but there's scaffolding and stuff, so you can't really see it. But it was kind of cool. You know, it was really cool to go there. We only did a day. I think, you know, could it do a day, maybe two or three, depending on what else we were going to see. We took the train and it stopped in Lyon and then continued over to Moutier's. So we were talking to some, we were like, yeah, you know, we stopped at Lyon and they have an airport there. And, you know, how is that? Because we did think about going to Lyon, but we really wanted to do Paris because I had never been to Paris. We're talking to this other couple and they're like, oh, we did Lyon for two days and it was great. They said, the food is amazing. And I was like sitting there the whole time, like, son of a bitch, we should have done Lyon. (laughs) So they even said, they were like, yeah, you should go. Just go to Lyon one time. Nice. They said it's pretty small, but um, the food was just, they said it was great. I know Anthony Bourdain went there. Yeah, Parts Unknown, Season 3, Episode 3, Lyon. Nice. Might be worth checking out. 2014. Yeah, I think that uh, might yeah. be on the list because uh, I think it was like four hours on the train. Are you closer hours? to Chamonix from Lyon? I think you uh, are, aren't you? Yeah, probably because Chamonix north of where I was, I believe. G-Paris. Yeah, it's almost like an L from Paris to Lyon to Geneva. Mm. And I think yeah, you we flew back to... out of Geneva. You did, okay. Yeah, I think you're really isn't you'd fly into Geneva to go to Chamonix. I think. Yeah, we flew into Paris because we were going to take the train over. Yeah, but the closest airport is Geneva. If you're going to... Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you're doing... If going a, for the most efficient way, yeah. Right. That'd be the way to go. Yeah, usually you either fly into Zurich or you fly into Geneva when you go into Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. from here. Yeah. And then you could always take a a jumper somewhere. Chamonix to Lyon is like two and a half hours by car. Well, that's not bad. So, yeah, not terrible. Wow. Or there's a train that's about four hours. Oh, well, they got to go bus to bus. Actually, it's bus, not train. Oh, bus. Three buses. Oof. That's work travel. Yeah. Greyhound. Yeah. European Greyhound. European Greyhound. It's called the Blah Blah Car Bus. You get the stabbing with that? Yeah, you pay probably. extra. 
Actually, for the stabbing and the urine smell. Yeah. Any uh, interesting, like, apres, drinks, or experiences? I was a little disappointed. I think it's because we're so worldly. We've seen it all. The big thing is uh, the Aperol Fizz, right? Yeah. Which we've no seen. No flaming Dr. Peppers? Flaming, of course. Fireball. Uh, <laughs> no, Fireball I mean, Reserve. We were in France. We were drink, I was drinking champagne. Why not? Look at you. It was, it was on the house. Why not? When in Rome. When in Rome, drink Prosecco. When in France, right? so, drink uh, champagne. That's right. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, food is good. And it's just, uh, ah, I came back and had a like, food detox, alcohol detox all at once. It was, it was rough. Yeah. So now I'm back on the straight and narrow, eating normal food. So what would you uh would you rate it one out of ten the whole trip? The whole trip, I would say I like the last trip better. Differently, let's see. One this, to your, ten. this is your third time there? The uh, second time. Second time, okay. Yeah, uh third time at a club met. You were at was it Switzerland so I, last year, right? The last the one I did was Progelato. Progelato, okay which is oh, okay. north of Barolo. And then before that was Sam Ritz with Harry. Sam Ritz, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I would rate this 1 to 10 on a trip. I'd say this gives a solid 8. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty I mean, the snow was great. I had a good time. It was uh, good. Did the, hit, hit up the spa. We did uh, two days. We did massage. Did you have the okay. sexy male massage guy? Did not have a sexy man bun massage. Bam. But yeah, no, it was good. I just, I love getting a nice massage after a few days of skiing. You got to do it like after like two days of skiing. And then they start massaging. You're just like, oh my God, not only does it hurt. It's just like your body feels, your body loves you for it. You feel alive. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was good. Uh, The travel went well. We got pliers there and back. Look at you. That's how we do like a gentleman. Baller. So we actually, we, we got the passes because my wife used to work there. We got para, we got Polaris going out, which was good. And then coming back, we had paid for Polaris with miles because for some weird reason, we went on. And when we went on, it was super low for miles. And I was like, yeah, let's cash them in for that. So that was pretty good. Yeah, I kind of got pretty, had a lot of wine, let's say, <laughs> on the way back home. Yeah. So that flight is like 10 hours. So by the time we landed, I was just a zombie. I was like tired in a fog, drunk. It was just weird. Yeah. That's a rough one. Then you're back uh, home. I just wanted to get home at that point. Did you fly to Newark first or? Yeah. We flew to Dulles and then Dulles. transferred there. Okay. So it went all right. I mean, I don't remember going through global entry, Customs? but we did. <laughs> Goddamn. You guys got to work and get like a uh, Geneva to Tampa flight. Direct. I know that'd be great. Private. Can you imagine. Time to start We're, flying private. Yeah, I mean Newark is gross. Yeah, you know, that's the hub. That's the best place. Yeah. Newark and Houston, I think, are the best for for United. Well, United, yeah, that's their hub. Chicago, I hate that airport. That sucks. Uh, okay. Dallas isn't too bad. Well, it sounds like an excellent trip. If people want to check out more, we'll have some links in the show notes, and they can just check Instagram too because you post a lot of cool pics and videos and it's like a pretty fun time yeah we got our so our buddy um gary he sent me his trip itinerary because he's running a trip to mirabelle in nice. i think next week yeah 
So he was asking me like the whole trip, like, how's the snow? Are you getting snow? It looks really good. Like, so he's like stalking me for, for a week. Nice. Uh, but it's good. He's getting excited about his trip. And they have a new Folly Deuce in Mirabelle. The Folly Trois. Folly Trois. (laughs) (laughs) But if you look at it, they have this huge stage. So if you look at Folly Deuce Mirabelle, it's a different setup. The other one, so the one in Val Terenz has like the stage up on top of the chalet and you're hanging out on like a deck. The one in Mirabelle they showed pictures of it and it's this long stage. It's like an L shaped stage and like a more open, wide open area. It's almost more like a concert stage. Mm. So look pretty cool. I was like, wow. It has higher reviews. The, uh, Mirabelle one. Yeah. It's also newer. So newer. I'm sure there they made it with some baller stuff. Looks pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like an awesome trip. Again, we'll have the links in the show notes. Mario, thank you for your update. Glad you had a good time. Glad you're back safe. Yeah. Nobody got injured, which is good. Nobody got injured. Not majorly injured. Let's put it that way. No trips <laughs> to the hospital were required. Exactly. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. It was all good. Awesome, man. So I did a good time. That about wraps up the old podcast for the week. So thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out. Skibumpodcast.com. Go to the socials. Check out more information. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Untapped, YouTube, at Podcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay gluten. See you.